Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, really fascinating conversation. I am interviewing Zoe Stevens. Now, she is a traveler. We've talked to a lot of travelers before, but her distinction is that uh, she travels to North Korea. Um, She is from the United Kingdom, um, originally from Liverpool. I think she lives in London now, Uh, but she began several years ago um, being a, a kind of a tour guide in North Korea helping um, those who who lead the tours um, kind of acc- I guess uh, uh, acclimate everyone to uh, to you know the differences that North Korea is really fascinating conversation I think you'll enjoy this one um, you know North Korea is a place that we know very very little about uh, so it's just fascinating kind of kind of uh, you know hearing a little bit more about it. Um, you know, the the point of this conversation was to to learn about a place that's pretty closed off to the outside world. Maybe some misconceptions that we have, and uh, learning kind of what the real uh, North Korea is. Um, so we obviously, you know, I have to point out, has an, an interest in um, being positive about the situation, given that she, she works for a company who does tours there. And like she says in the um, conversation, she wants to continue working there. Um, so we have to kind of take that when we are, are, are speaking with her. I learned so much. Um, I think you will, too. Um, of course, goes without saying, anytime I interview anyone that's uh, at all controversial that, you know, the point of this podcast is to talk to people with an interesting story to tell. Certainly an interesting one when it comes to, to dealing with North Korea. That doesn't mean, you know, this podcast is is agreeing with anything um, or nothing that she said. It's just a matter of speaking with her and getting her opinion. I, you know, I don't give, I don't give mine. I, I challenged her a few times, but I don't want this... Um, to be looked at as, you know, a, um, you know, approval or disapproval of, of anything she's saying. It's all just about uh, getting you some information. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Um, I learned a, a ton. I've said that several times, but I, I really, really enjoyed myself. Um, so here is Zoe Stevens. I'm here today with Zoe Stevens. Zoe, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, before we kind of get into you know your travels and some of the interesting places you've been, just introduce yourself if you would. Yeah, sure. So I'm Zoe. Um, I'm from the UK, from Liverpool, um, <laughs> and I'm currently based in London. And I've been traveling for the past few years. Previously based in Beijing and traveling a lot in and out of North Korea. Yeah, and that's obviously why we're going to talk because that's not necessarily the place that a lot of people have a lot of experience traveling. Even the most well-versed travelers maybe haven't uh, haven't checked that off their list. So tell us, I guess, what uh, what started your passion for travel? You know, in in the beginning. Really good question. I actually didn't travel much as um, as a young child. We were always kind of traveling throughout the UK, never abroad. Um, and then I first went abroad with a couple of friends in high school. And then basically um, just kind of started going, started going abroad every year from then. And I can't, it took me a long time to realize that 
not everyone likes to travel as much as I do. So I kind of like was traveling thinking like, oh, okay, you know, everyone wants to do this and everyone, you know, is traveling as much as me. And then I, I kind of realized, oh, okay, you know, maybe my friends don't want to come on holiday with me and stuff like that. So it was really kind of natural for me to, to be kind of traveling and stuff. And I think that the main thing that I enjoy from it is um, the exploration aspect. The Apart from the kind of adrenaline rush of going to new places and doing new things, it's, it's also about like learning about new cultures and languages. And the language aspect, I suppose, is probably um, the thing that really um, hit it off for me because my background is in learning languages and I did that at university. Um, and I think the combination of learning about languages and new cultures and stuff like that, it just really got me excited about um, travel. I mean, that's an interesting thing to kind of talk about, too, because I'm a big traveler, too. I've talked to a lot of travelers on here. And, you know, we've actually talked about the language aspect. You're kind of in a different spot with it where, you know, that's something that interests you. But that's a kind of a lot of times I have kind of a barrier, a roadblock to people who are like, oh, my gosh, I don't speak the language. I feel like I'm not going to do well. And a lot of times you have a funny way of still being able to get by even when you don't speak the, the same language of still being able to uh, enjoy yourself. And that shouldn't be something that holds people back. Definitely. I think so. Um, it's something that shouldn't hold you back. However, I will always try and learn at least a little bit of the language in the country. So definitely it shouldn't hold you back from, from traveling and from going to really random places, even if they speak absolutely zero English or your native language. However, um, I think it's important to kind of learn at least, you know, hello and thank you, um, those kind of words. And if I spend a long time in a country, then I really like to immerse myself in the language as much as possible, because I really believe that in order to understand a culture, um, as much as I like to understand cultures um, and different, different people, different groups of people, then language is fundamental to that. And I think that's normally very much appreciated anywhere you go. If you, if even if you butcher it, if you try just a little bit, people like that you're uh, that you're trying. So I mean, that kind of leads into a good first question about you know your your trips to North Korea. I want to ask you here in a minute about you know what made you decide to uh, I guess take take the plunge and go somewhere very different. But let's let's stick with languages for a second because I have heard that given that North Korea is I guess a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to say isolated, but they're a little bit more off the, the mainstream. I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that they, when it comes to, to written Korean and spoken, that it's a little bit different than, you know, South Korea, because it's kind of stayed, I don't know, like Korea, Korean 1940s, so to speak. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly it. And I think it's very fair to say to describe Korea as a very, uh, North Korea as a very isolated country. Um <laughs> And it's very interesting to see how that is reflected in, in the language. Um, as you said, and there are some differences. And one of the big differences is the English influence um, that you see in South Korean that you definitely don't see in North Korean. Um, you see North Korean words, they will usually tend to use um, words. If a word is derived of foreign origin then it will tend to be derived from Russian or Chinese instead of South Korean which may have a foreign origin word from English or something like that. In the writing as well not so much affected by um, the language change over the years and the English influence but in the writing system in North Korean and South Korean it's different so um, the spelling basically is different. 
Um, so you, you do have a few differences like that. Generally, I mean, it's completely mutually like, you know, people can understand each other from North and South. And in the North as well, if anyone ever watches South Korean dramas, um, as North Koreans, then they do have to be careful not to pick up South Korean slang that mm. others may also pick up on. I gotcha. Yeah. And we talk a little bit about that isolation that obviously makes it a little bit more difficult to get by maybe on your your native tongue how many people did you find new english because as much as i don't like it you know when i travel i can normally get by just because i know english and a lot of tourism does kind of work in in the english language i don't know that that's probably the case there so how how easy was it to find english speakers not many english speakers um in terms of local people there are very few English speakers. You'll find more of them in Pyongyang, um, maybe, you know, students, people studying at university. There are There is a chance that you'll pass by someone on the street and they can speak English. But generally, um, if they're going to speak a foreign language, it's more likely to be Chinese or Russian. Mm. And they're more kind of relevant to North Korea. But uh, those who work in the industry, in the tourism industry or in hospitality often, and have really really great English so the English from the the North Korean tour guides their English is just absolutely incredible especially considering that they've never they've often never spent time abroad studying and and really using that foreign language in the context what made we were talking so much about North Korea what made you I guess decide to make that somewhere that you're that you're going to to go obviously that's not for the western world that's not normally a a typical uh vacation spot so what made you decide to, to take the plunge um well i'll try and keep this short but it's um it's a kind of cool story because basically i was living in japan at the time and um, i was doing that for a year abroad when i was studying at university for japanese and during that time it was like 2015 2016 europe was going through um refugee crisis and uh, we were in the uk it was on high terror alert and basically all the Japanese people that I would meet, um, they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You're from the UK. Amazing. I'd love to go, but it's too dangerous right now. And it was really strange hearing people talk about my own country like a war zone, like it was too dangerous to visit. And I realized that a lot of this opinion was based on um, what was being said in the media. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, to kind of challenge my own preconceptions of a country that, uh, you know, I was really... Um, portrayed in the media as as something and I, I actually knew nothing about North Korea you know like like most people I only knew what was being told to me in the media and so I wanted to challenge that and you know I kind of googled it can you visit North Korea and turns out you can and so I basically went from there I booked a tour and first went to North Korea and when I got there I kind of realized okay yep it is a bit different to what the media says and that then inspired me to to carry on working there and to carry on going there and to show people to you know to to show people kind of what I saw there as well. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting for sure. Obviously, it wasn't like you were sitting in your hometown, never really traveling. So your your family was kind of used to you probably being <clears throat> out and about. But what did they think when you first were like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take a tour to North Korea"? Um, yeah, so. That's very correct. My my family uh, do definitely know that they can't really stop me from doing anything. And I do go to mm. some random places. Um, my dad thought it was super cool. Um, mm. And he still does. He was supposed to come to North Korea with me 
um, in April 2020, but unfortunately the borders closed. Um, my mom, on the other hand, uh, had a bit of a different opinion. And uh, I mean, she was like crying on the phone saying that I shouldn't go and stuff like this. And to be honest, I said to her, um, you know, okay, if you have such a strong opinion on it, um, then, you know, Google it for, you know, five, 10 minutes make up your own mind and then come back to me. And, you know, she just said, I don't want to even type those words into Google. And so mm. I was like, well, if you're not going to be offended, then, you know, I'm just going to have to <laughs> just going to go. And then <laughs> that's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a very strong opinion. Then that's not just a little bit of being hesitant. That's, that's pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what, uh, you know, you, you decided to, to do it, you went on a tour. What was your initial first impression then also even i understand probably excitement just of, of a new place in somewhere that a lot of places people don't go but i mean was it at all kind of i guess nerve-wracking to to go somewhere like this because i i do think there's a lot of unknowns and that's always kind of a scary thing for people when they they don't exactly know what they're getting into definitely and you know it was nerve-wracking and when i I remember a lot of the feelings that I felt the first time I went there. So when I take in tourists now for every tour, you know, I can really empathize with how they're feeling and I know what's going through their head. Like I remember the first time, you know, I saw a North Korean and I was like, Oh my God, like, are these North Koreans? Like, wow. Um, and, you know, they were in China cause we, you know, you go from China into North Korea and I was like, Oh my gosh, how, are, how are the North Koreans in China? Um, you know, can I, can I look at them? Can I touch them? Can I like, you know, speak to them? Um, and if, I mean, but you know, and you're, you're really nervous crossing the border and you're like, Oh my gosh, are they going to look through my stuff? Have I accidentally brought in something? Uh, I had a couple of things from Japan and then I remembered, Oh my gosh, North Korea and Japan, not really good friends. Um, you know, so there's a lot going through my mind. And I actually, um, up until the minute I was on North Korean soil, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. There's something that's going to go, go wrong. Um, and so it was nerve wracking. And then when I got there, the thing that I felt that I continue to tell people in two words, how I describe North Korea, even now, is that it's pleasantly underwhelming. And I mean that because, you know, you go there and we have all these preconceptions like military parades, um, crazy brainwashed people, rockets, stuff like this. And then you get there and you're like, ah, oh, OK, there are people walking around, doing their shopping, going to the market, um, going to work, playing in the park. And you just realize, oh, OK, you know, they are normal people going about their normal daily lives. Um, and that, that really left an impression on me. So, I mean, you, you just kind of mentioned a lot of misconceptions that are out there. Speak on, on some of them rather than try to give you some, uh, I guess, conceptions that a lot of people have, perceptions that a lot of people have. Uh, give us some, some misperceptions. It's really difficult. I mean, I think the main one is that um, the main one for me is that it's not just it's not super crazy all the time and that everything's um, not every everything is fake and, and set up for other people. And um, this is the probably the biggest, you know, misconception that people have is that everything is, everything is done just for tourists. Um, mm -hmm. And it's something that at first I could understand. I was like, okay, I can understand why you might think that. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I just can't get my head around why people can still think it because 
you know, when you go onto the Pyongyang Metro, for example, and there's hundreds of people around you going to work, commuting, doing whatever they're doing, um, or when you're driving through the countryside, when you are at a theater, and to be honest, my when if people say to me, um, oh yeah, but it's all a show, it's all just, you know, for us tourists, my reply to them is, I'm sorry, but you're not that important. You know, <laughs> like and without co- wanting to cause offense, it's just it's not in um, their mindset. To, it's not in their agenda to create this um, fake entire country just for some random tourists that come in every so often. Um, so that's a big misconception. I think also um, the the rules about when you go there as well, um, people tend to think it's going to be a lot more strict than um than it really is so you know anything from taking photos to drinking alcohol people are really surprised often that you're allowed to drink alcohol in north korea and i don't even know where that comes from it's probably just because there are lots of rules about it and it's very strict that people automatically think oh okay you know what's one thing that you can add rules to it drinking alcohol maybe you can't do that so Hmm. of course you can drink alcohol um you know the guides they love drinking alcohol i always recommend you know buy your guides a beer at the end of the day and have a chat with them that's the best way to learn anything about north korea in my opinion is to find out about the north korean people and their lives um you can take pictures you can take videos that are rules that you have to follow but in general, it's a lot more free than people think. Of course, you ha- you do have to walk around with guides, um, but that also doesn't mean that you have to be glued to them. You know, um, if you're walking around in the street or whatever, you can of course like stop and take a look at an into a shop window, take a picture of something. It's a lot more free like that. You just can't push the rules too much. And also a really big misconception um, is that the guides are government minders. And it's it's just quite frustrating when a lot of people who, a lot of vloggers and stuff who visit North Korea do refer to them as government minders because you can describe them as people working for the government because in North Korea, everything is owned by the government and therefore technically is everyone in some shape or form is working for the government. However, these are... are fully trained tour guides who study at study very hard um, to get to where they are. They go to the tourism college or foreign language um, university and they, you know, they study for however many years and then they become a trainee guide and then they train. They're incredibly knowledgeable and um, yeah, they're definitely, they work for a travel company, which in turn is owned by the government. But they work for a travel company and they're tour guides. They're not government minders. I'll throw out one misconception potentially. Uh, But before that, I guess in order to kind of throw it out there, I want to ask, what is the, I guess, perception of North Korea in the UK? Because obviously it may be very different than here in the United States. And that kind of leads into that that perception. So what what, uh, do you think it's any different or is it kind of the whole Western world has the same kind of thoughts? I would say it's pretty similar. Yeah, Yeah, pretty similar. So, I mean, obviously here you know, in the United States, we're all about, you know, being free to do darn near anything you want to do. And just that big freedom. Everyone has freedom on their, uh, that's the first thing everyone shouts all the time. And, you know, that's, that's the big thing that people maybe don't like about what they hear of North Korea is that people aren't very free to do what they want. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of government thumb on everything that people do. So what, uh, I mean, is that really the case? I mean, obviously the videos we see is, you know, a, a picture of, you know, the, 
the leader of the country in every house and people just being almost like passionately devoted to, to that. And just every, I, I feel like in what we see every day, people remember exactly where they are and, you know, who they answer to. And that's not the case here in the United States. Definitely. And I think um, when you talk about freedom in North Korea, I mean, it's an inherently difficult topic um, because like you said, you know, I, and in comparison to the US, um, you know, there's there's actually very little freedom. Um, but I will always kind of try and say that things are never black and white. And so whilst North Korea, you know, a lot of everything is, a lot of things are controlled. And as you said, you know, they, they are very devoted to to the leaders and this is a it's it's very serious for them They're, it's not a thing to to joke around about they're very serious about their devotion to the leaders um but not everything is black and white in terms of for example a lot of people will um will say to me like you know are they allowed to choose uh where they live where they work um what school they go to you know um and uh, these things for example they they do have a choice you know most people are surprised that you know they're actually allowed to choose what they're studying or what work they go into or where they're living and it's not um it's not as free as you know we have it in the west or in the u.s um for example if you um if when you when you're getting allocated a house so everyone in north korea is allocated their house right but it's not as if the government um, you know, just uh, point to a house and say, hey, you guys have got to live there. See you later. Um, people will kind of apply to a house by saying, okay, we're a family of three. Um, we work over here. My wife works over here. Um, it would be great because, you know, my grandma lives here. Maybe we could live close to her kind of thing. So you do get that kind of gray scale of things where it's not all completely super controlled, but it's not at the same kind of freedom that you would have in the US by far. So yeah, and that kind of reminded me, you're talking about how people aren't just completely placed. That reminds me of another kind of thing I saw in a documentary about that, those freedoms that I remember seeing like a, a piece of paper with like six different haircuts and people could only get right. those. Is that, is that the case? Exactly. So no, it's not. And um, the way that I describe this one, so this is a really famous example, um, mm. these haircuts that, you know, they get, you know, they are everywhere in the salons. You go into any salon and they have like 10 or 12 different haircut pictures. Um, and we have that. It's funny because we have that in the UK and in the US too. If you think about it, when you go into a hair salon, what are the pictures on the wall everywhere? They're basically different styles. So the Koreans can like show because they don't have and they wouldn't they do now have like smartphones and stuff like that. They wouldn't have traditionally. So they can't just like Google things and be like, I want to look like this person. So, you know, it's convenient for them to to look at a hairstyle and point and be like, I want something like this. That's basically it. But they're allowed to choose their own haircut. Of course, there is a certain standard that you should adhere to. So, you know, especially if you're in Pyongyang or if you're, you know, in the workspace and stuff like that, just like we have uniforms and, you know, when you're in school, you have to have your hair a certain length or whatever, at least in the UK where we have uniforms. I can't completely discount it. Obviously, that's a little bit more regimented than it would be here in the United States or probably in the UK because there isn't necessarily a standard. Yeah, you have to wear your hair a certain way while you're in school, but once you're out of there, you just throw it down. And that's that's not necessarily probably the, the case. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously North Korea does get a, a bad rap, but, and there's a lot of places that, that that's the case. Um, but a lot of times what you can point to is the people in a lot of places are, are good. doesn't matter what the government is anywhere. A lot of times you can find a lot of good in the people. So talk about the North Korean people. Yeah, I mean, that's my, this is my absolute favorite thing about doing the job. Um, and that's pretty much the reason why I do it is to kind of try and attempt to rehumanize the North Korean issue because we forget a lot of the time that, hey, these people that a lot of us are making fun of on a daily basis, they're real people just trying to live your lives like you and me. So the Korean culture, uh, the, the Korean people in North and South Korea are still very similar. You know, it's not been um, a terribly long time since two countries were, se- were separated. So you see a lot of similarities between the two cultures, definitely. Um, and I mean, obviously, my contact with North Koreans, it's not completely free. And of course, my Korean is not good enough even to be able to, you know, have deep conversations with people on the street. Um, but they're generally incredibly welcoming people. Um very similar to Korean and kind of East Asian culture coming into you're coming into their country so you're a guest they want the best for you um and ultimately they are just apart from the Korean culture aspect of it they are just like you and me you know like they love to have a drink or get drunk of an evening they'll make jokes they'll talk about sex they'll um say inappropriate things um and they just want to joke around they're super curious about um, where you're from, um, you know, they want to hear about your country, what kind of, yeah, what, the politics of your country or what's going on in your country. Um, they're very interested in curious people and um, incredibly, incredibly smart as well. So, I mean, what does that conversation look like? You said they, you know, they want to know about the politics of your country. Do they want to know that just because it seems kind of interesting and different? Do they look at it as maybe that they're more kind of oppressed than where you come from or what does that, I mean, what, what does that conversation look like? Are, are they, I mean, I feel like they, they would have to outwardly, you know, feel grateful for where they're at. But. So I think it generally depends on the person. Um, overall, North Koreans are incredibly proud people mm-hmm. and they are proud ethnically to be Korean. They are also proud um, nationally to be um North Korean, although they don't call themselves North Korean because they they refer to themselves as Korean and they don't recognize the split, the divide between North and South. So they're very proud to be Korean people and they're very proud of their government that, you know, they will maintain is the best and provides for them and that a lot of them really do, you know, have a lot of trust in and faith in. Um, however, you know, there are some that are probably curious about, more curious about what's going on in the outside world. Everyone is curious. Um, Others may, you know, be a bit more apprehensive and interested. Others may just kind of, you know, want to talk politics because they want to show off about how great their country is. And a lot of the times, a lot of the stuff that you'll tell them about your country, they'll be like, oh, okay, my country is a lot better. I'm quite happy about my country, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is not, uh, you know, my, my first interview. And this is the reason I asked you about the people first, because that's what everyone wants to kind of bring up, which would kind of ruin the next question. That is, tell me some of your your favorite things about North Korea. And obviously, we've removed the people from being able to be talked about now. <laughs> yeah, very, very smart of you. Um, 
to be honest, my I'm okay. Well, my favorite thing about being a tour guide in North Korea is kind of showing people around and you know being able to show people this uh, other side to North Korea, not necessarily a different side, but just like additional to what they may have heard about in the media. Um, being in North Korea and about North Korean culture and the people, um, I think one really amazing thing that I just love is. Uh, the landscapes, to be honest, North Korea, the Korean peninsula is like 70% mountainous. Um, and it has got such amazing coastlines with um, absolutely beautiful mountain hikes and, you know, stuff like this that you really don't ever hear about in the media. Um, and you have this, these whole beaches and um, beautiful hiking areas all to yourself. Of course, you know, there's, there's sometimes like local North Korean tourists there but apart from that you're not seeing any other tourists and that's really amazing um of course it's really interesting um whether you agree with it or not it's really interesting to learn about a different political system whilst you're there and I love challenging myself and learning uh, every time I go there I learn something new that you know uh, is not necessarily black and white um and it, it makes me it makes me question uh, just question a lot and and want to explore a lot more topics and stuff. So yeah, and that kind of I'll tell you kind of a, a perception that that maybe I have, and I think that a lot of people have. Um, and you can let me know, I guess, how how true it would be because you talked about you know the countryside outside of the capital. I guess the perception there is that you know the the capital is a lot more heavily monitored, and the people that live there probably have to deal with a lot more of that being monitored. Outside of there, people, they, it's not, they don't care as much because it's not in that capital city. And then also that, uh, you know, outside of the, the main city, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about things being staged outside of the main city, uh, the capital, uh, most of North Korea is kind of a very poor country. Definitely. Um, Pyongyang is its own little bubble and not representative of North Korea as a whole. Um, I think a lot of capital cities like that like that around the world so in terms of freedoms and how much you're monitored um it kind of goes both ways and um, whether you're talking about the tourists or the north koreans themselves so i think in pyongyang the north koreans themselves are monitored um a lot a lot more because um you know it's it's the government capital it's it's a very important place in north korea so there's a lot more monitoring in pyongyang um however for the tourists, it's a lot more free because um, you know they're used. To, the Pyongyang people are used to seeing North Korea uh, are used to seeing foreign tourists a lot. Um, there's very few places in Pyongyang that you're not really allowed to go to. You know, you can visit many, many places, cafes, bars, and bowling alleys, blah blah blah. Um, however, in the countryside and the least visited places in North Korea, the tourists are more restricted. However, the North Koreans generally have more, you know, freedom and stuff like that. So you do have to be a little bit more careful as a tourist especially to really least visited places like in the northeast where you know the the local people aren't used to seeing foreign tourists at all so they might um you know they they won't they'll be shy around you they won't really know how to act if you try and talk to them they'll probably you know try and walk away um so it's, it's a lot more strict strict up there but you can definitely you can visit a lot of places other than just Pyongyang, which is a big misconception. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, we talked about you being a, a tour guide. How did, how did that happen? There's a lot different than deciding to go on a week, two week long tour. And actually, I assume you kind of, you, you live there and how did you become a, a guide of, of there? Because I feel like that just in the perceptions that we have, that would be something I would think wouldn't be allowed. You know, they're so, you know, the perception is they want everything to be so, you know, I guess, scripted and guided that they would want a North Korean be, to be guiding people, not somebody shows up in North Korea and it's uh, somebody from England telling them about the country. Definitely. And so um, so basically what my job is, is more of a, a go between. So we work basically with the North Korean tour guides. So mm. it's not just me going into North Korea and being like, hey, guys, let's have fun in Pyongyang. Um, so um, I basically work as a mediator, um, like a kind of cultural mediator between two vastly different cultures, but also a mediator kind of just making sure that everyone is safe beforehand. Everyone knows what's going on beforehand and in the country as well. Um, just kind of helping out the guides. Um, but I do I don't do much, um, you know, to the left hand side is the Juche Tower. And um, we leave that down to the Koreans themselves, because, like I said before, they're incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and how this happened, uh, basically, after my first tour, um, I returned back to the UK, I finished my degree, I saw that the uh, company that I originally went with were hiring, so I started working for them, and then um, in the end I changed company and now I work for Corio Tours, who are the, the people who basically um, like founded North Korea Tourism, they're pretty much as old as me 27 28 years um and uh and now working for them and it is very different going there once and then going there 20 30 times um but i will say the job kind of gets uh it gets easier and harder as you go the um tour guiding and you know getting everyone's visas ready um getting everyone's train tickets ready gets easier dealing with the north koreans gets a little bit more difficult I think the more you know about them the more you try and work with them um the more you learn and you just get into a big deep hole of um of more things that you want to know (laughs) and that gets quite difficult yeah I guess I'm kind of confused by that you said the the longer you you work with them the harder it is to deal with the North Koreans I don't know I don't know what that means So, um, I mean, not to deal with them. So they are, they're excellent people to work with. It's, I think the, what I mean by that is the more you spend time there, um, the more you learn. And I think always, uh, and then it it kind of opens this, this hole of, um, of more things that you want to know and more things that you, yeah, more things that you're inspired to kind of find out more about. And then of course, you start to build relationships with them as well. So you start to get friends with them. So spending more time with them, you get closer. And then, of course, you don't have any way to contact with them uh, when you're out of North Korea. Um, so I I should have said before as well, I didn't live in North Korea. I lived in Beijing, which is um, pretty much the gateway to North Korea. You tra- travel from uh, China to North Korea is usually how you get there. Um, and so every time I return back to Beijing, I wouldn't be able to talk to them and so that's difficult as well when you're building up relations with people and then suddenly, you know, you don't know how they're doing or you want to ask how their new baby's doing, stuff like this. Um, and of course, since the pandemic, I haven't seen or heard anything from them for two years now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess to challenge you a little bit, I, I feel like w- with what, what you said, a lot of people would be listening and, and hear that uh, 
I guess the, the more experience you've had, the, the more that curtain's been pulled back a little bit where mm. of course, what, what they want people to see is makes it a little bit more enjoyable. That first time was more enjoyable, but now that you've been there a bunch of, a bunch of times, you said it's a little bit more difficult. So it seems like the curtains pulled back and maybe it's uh it's a little bit um, maybe more of a, a uh, tarnished, tarnished place or tarnished reputation maybe is, is, you know, what it is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, the Koreans that keep their, you know, keep their hearts very close to their chest. So they don't, you know, they don't go into too much detail about stuff. And I think, um, of course, when, when tourists go there originally, they want people to have a, um, they want to show the best of their country, which I think is how you, is how you, um, you know, want to show any country when you go to any country, right? This is what tour guides will show you. I think more what I mean is, you know, the more you kind of are working with the, with the Koreans, the more you have to be able to, you have to learn how their culture is and how they talk with each other and how things, Things are done in the country so for example um it, a lot of things get you know in North Korea it's very normal for the itinerary to change all the time for you know you to suddenly be told that things are cancelled um, and you have no reason they don't give you a reason and then you of course have to relay this to the tourists and then the tourists get angry that the, an itinerary item is cancelled so trying to deal with things like that and knowing how exactly to handle it with the Koreans. Sometimes sometimes things can happen, but they just don't want to go through the motions of trying to make it happen. So it's difficult um, trying to kind of get around dealing with that aspect, um, I think is more what I meant with working. The more you work with them, the more you kind of are trying to learn these, these ropes. I gotcha, I gotcha. Before we started, obviously, I wanted to, we wanted to make sure that it's as fair as possible and not, you know, bashing anything. And that's not what we're here to do. I want to learn as much as I can. The only question I have, I guess, with that, and I'm going to allow you to kind of say as much as you want is, you know, in being fair on, on both sides and, and why the reputation is what it is. Tell us maybe some things about Korea or North Korea that, uh, Maybe there's an there's an there's an opportunity for uh, improvement. Maybe we'll leave it there. Rather than negatives, opportunity for improvement. Oh, that is a that's a good open question. Opportunity for improvement. I mean, so obviously, um, then this is also something North Korea wants is to get more onto the you know the global stage and the foreign stage. You know, and they'd happily be doing more trades and they'd happily. Um, you know, be sending more of their people outside of the country to go and study in foreign universities or go work. Something stopping that um, is, you know, obviously sanctions and stuff like that have a real impact on that. So I think um, that would really benefit the country is, uh, you know, opening out a little bit more, at least economically, if not anything else. And I mean, the thing that the North Korean people want the most um, is reunification. And I mean, I was very naive at the time. I just presumed when I first went there, I just presumed that North Korea, you know, they're the ones that would never want reunification and they're the aggressors and they're the ones that, you know, are continuing this divide. However, you know, I've actually found it to be the opposite, um, that the North Korean people, that's all they talk about. That's all they want. Um, 
And uh, in fact, in South Korea, it's very, it's very um, much more anti anti reunification uh, than not. However, um, you know, North Korea are not doing themselves uh, much good in uh, in terms of um, testing new rockets and stuff like that. It's probably uh, not so reunification friendly to um, to keep uh, keep up the nuclear weapons and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's my two cents on that. <laughs> Yeah. 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 We can move on from that. But I mean, I, I guess I have to kind of point out, you know, that half of the answer for growth in, in North Korea was sanctions that other countries have put on. So that's not necessarily something North Korea can change. So yeah. I, I feel like maybe that we didn't talk as much about things that North Korea could do to improve. Ah, uh, North Korea could do to improve. I want to give you an answer for this one. <laughs> Yeah, well, while you're thinking, I mean, obviously, I, I, the big thing that anyone knows about is the nuclear weapons program. That's what we, uh, that's what we all know about, and that's frankly, I mean, I understand maybe why they do that because, I mean, if that wasn't the case, that wasn't something that they did. I mean, in in being real, it's a very small, poor country that we probably wouldn't have on our radar at all. We wouldn't necessarily care what they're doing. So that's, I mean, I, I understand why they do that, but that's also kind of their downfall too. Definitely. And I mean, that's, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, it's not so um, uh, reunification friendly with the, the nuclear weapons and stuff. And I think uh, they were definitely going down the right route. I think it was back in 2018 when they said that they weren't going to, um, you know, do any more nuclear weapons. And they announced to the population, yeah, we finished, we've built all of our weapons. That's it. We don't, we're not doing any more. I was definitely going down the right route, especially if they're looking to get more down the road of reunification or international friendly, um, or at least friendlier than they currently are. However, uh, and you're quite right in saying that, uh, you know, there is reasons why they still have nuclear weapons. So, and it's because of the threat, you know, in my opinion, um, North Korea will never start a nuclear war. You know, that's not, that's not what they're after. They'll never start anything. That's not what they're after with these nuclear weapons. They have this really strong, um, I mean, if you're talking about improvements to to North Korea, maybe I can use this as one. But they have this really strong um, they have this really strong feeling of uh, imminent threat that they cannot get rid of, and this is you know propagated by the government as well. It's you know this is why we need nuclear weapons because we have imminent threat uh, from the foreign powers, you know, from the U.S. Um, and they can't let it go. Um, and I think that's probably, um, you know, something that would definitely be an improvement is uh, less uh, aggression against uh, against the, these um, foreign powers and, and to let go of the of the past and to know that, you know, the rest of the world has kind of moved on. I like that. And I guess kind of to throw in uh, something you said earlier about foreign tourists thinking that they're being watched all the time. I feel like maybe North Korea has that same, uh, that same kind of perception of the world. And I would kind of throw back exactly what you joke that you're probably not that important. People really don't care. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a very paranoid country. Um, and yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, traveling to, to somewhere that's, I guess, so, uh, I guess has so much stigma and so much unknown, um, but then learning what you have, what, I guess, what has that done for you as far as just your own, I would say your own personal growth, but also what's it taught you about, you know, the, the world as a whole? 
is it the biggest lesson that I've learned that I will always hold now is to question everything, you know, um, especially with the media. Um, I mean, I sound like someone really paranoid, but I'm not. I'm, I'm very interested in how the media can affect public opinion. And indeed, I'm doing, you know, I'm looking to do PhD studies on this. So I'm, I'm very interested in it, but I'm just interested in questioning everything, not necessarily about the media, but, you know, people's culture their lives um and going in with an open mind that's the number one important thing when anyone visits north korea or any country indeed that's you know or any culture that's very different from your own go in with an open mind and don't presume that just because someone does something differently it's inherently wrong so i mean obviously we're, we're talking not we we i probably would have never found you if you didn't kind of make yourself known in the social media world talking about North Korea. So tell us just a little bit about your your social media journey. What made you decide, hey, I want to kind of amplify my journey into North Korea, let people know a little bit more about it. Um, and what made you decide to start that platform and then tell us a little bit about it? So I'm really glad you kind of mentioned it because um, the social media stuff, it definitely has been a journey. It's a good way to describe it. So when I first started working in North Korea, I, I actually hated social media, you know, but I was put on um, marketing. So in, in the company that I work for. So, you know, I kind of got onto the social media radar. Um, and then basically I decided to start, um, you know, promoting tours to North Korea and, and in a way promoting North Korea, basically because, I, um, I, I truly believe that tourism to North Korea has a positive impact on North Korean society and also a positive impact on, on us as visitors going into the country. Mm-hmm. And so whilst some may say that it's ethically questionable what I do, I make videos in North Korea, I show this different side, I will never show, you know, I'll never show the side that the media show. Uh, So, you know, generally, I'll never show the negative side. And that's basically because, one, fundamentally, I still want to go back to North Korea. Um, Two, I feel that, you know, people tell me that what I do is unethical. And I would say right back to them, well, is it ethical to go and take videos and take pictures in the slums in India or something like this? You know, like, what, what is ethical? And three... I just basically want to uh, show this different side, you know, because it's it's underrepresented. It's not in the media. And a lot of people will come at me and tell me, like, why, why don't you show this other side? Why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about that? And my simple response is, you know, that's not what this platform is here for. You can find that anywhere else. I am here to show this different side because it's not shown anywhere else. No, I, I gotcha. Yeah. The ethical part of that is not not what we're here for at all. It's to kind of learn a little bit about you and about North Korea. But talk a little bit about how you've dealt with some of that that pushback, because I'm sure that you've gotten that you've kind of mentioned it now. But how have you dealt with that? So it is it to be honest, it is difficult because most of the feedback that I get, generally how feedback works in general is that you know those who are not happy with what you do will give the feedback those that like what you do will not say anything and happily just sit sit by in the background so I I get a lot of negative feedback and it's a lot easier it was a lot easier previously when I was going into the country frequently and I was around my colleagues who you know would support me a lot more but um, at the end of the day I know what I'm doing and I am very confident 
that what I'm doing is for the right reasons. And um, I've made a video, um, you know, I talk for like half an hour about the ethics of being in North, of working in North Korea, the ethics of traveling to North Korea, because it's a really hot topic. And, you know, at the end of the day, I will always come back to the fact that, um, you know, tourism to North Korea does more good than harm. Of course, you know, a lot of people come at me with um, funding the regime, you know, uh, the, the fact that I'm a communist, the fact that um, I'm, you know, sh- you know, stupid, naive, turning a blind eye to the other stuff. But at the end of the day, people who say that kind of stuff anyway are the ones who, you know, they form their own opinion. That's fine. Um, the ones mm. who have an open mind and who are willing to listen and, and see what I'm doing um, and the ones that are willing to then travel to North Korea and kind of build their own opinion, that's then who I'll listen to. You know, if you go to North Korea and you still have the opinion afterwards that, you know, I'm someone crazy doing crazy stuff, then whatever, that's fine. I'll respect your opinion. But right. when you've never been to North Korea and you only have the perception that I did before I first went to North Korea, I can't, I can't take you seriously. <laughs> right. I understand. I want, and I kind of want to mention, I guess, the two, two things, I guess, before I forget. The, the one thing, obviously, you know, I, I feel like letting people see a new culture and then also the people in North Korea kind of seeing a, a different culture, too, has always been official. You know, learning about each other is, is never a bad thing. So I do feel like that's the case. But I also you can't discount, you know, what you said earlier, which is that you have to make sure that you stay positive and not negative because you want to go back. You can't discount that because that's the reality. And that's part of why the stigma is there because it is kind of guarded. Um, yep. Also, I kind of want to, uh, I want to give you a, an opportunity to, to maybe correct something that, that maybe was a miss, you know, you maybe misspoke at least part of it. You did because you said the fact that you're stupid, which I don't think is the case. I don't think that's, <laughs> all. but then you also said, which is one that maybe you're going to say or not, but you said the fact that you're stupid and the fact that you're a communist. So I don't mm-hmm. know whether those two are, are accurate or not. I don't think you're stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, I, I suppose I was trying to say m- uh, misconceptions of me. So um, definitely wouldn't say that I'm stupid. And um, I definitely would not call myself a, a communist. And whatever I am, I remain fully apolitical. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the, the things on my channel is that, you know, I have the, there's great political conversations that go on. I just stay out of them. Um, yeah, I think that's it. that that's kind of the name of the game on this podcast too. not in a huff because I'm not going to get upset about much, but I know we wanted to stay political and I wanted to make sure we stayed apolitical on both sides. And I didn't want you to have, uh, have misspoke, but, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, I guess kind of wrap things up just a little bit. Tell us how people can find, you know, your, your social media, learn a little bit more about it. And then quickly, I tried to find something that people would, because you said that, you know, you're, you're showing the positives, but I don't necessarily think that's all you're doing. I don't think it is propaganda by any means. So tell us um, how they can find it. And then just, I I wanted to kind of give people a little bit of a a taste on what they would find. So how they can find it. And then also a recent little 30 second video you did tell us, uh, I guess the six things that you can't bring to North Korea. Yeah, sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. Um, and it's um, at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK um, on Instagram. Um, I'm also on YouTube under Zoe Discovers. And on my YouTube, you can find like longer videos, um, more vlog style videos of basically 
Um, anything from you know, tasting coffee in a really fancy coffee shop in North Korea to going on drives or walks throughout the countryside um, to also um, quick Q&A sessions that I do like five minutes long, basically telling you if you can bring your phone into North Korea, what you can and can't bring into North Korea. Um, and my Instagram is a kind of a shortened version of that, obviously a lot more pictures and, you know, reels and stuff like that. And the most recent one I did of that is the um, the six things that you definitely can't bring into North Korea. So as an example, um, if I can remember those six things, you know, usually I reel them off when I'm taking people on tour. But uh, mm. the first one is Bibles. Um, then it's definitely uh, things in the Korean language and um, nothing to do with North Korea. Then you've got um, GPS devices. Uh, pornography is banned. And uh, hey, I can't remember the sixth one. So I guess if you wanna if you wanna find out the sixth one, you're gonna have to go to my uh, <laughs> go to my YouTube or, or Instagram channel. Um, but also, if you wanna know anything about North Korea tourism, um, then um, then do check out Koryo Tours because um, they're the company I work for. They're they're the kind of leading in North Korea tourism, and you can find any information on their website. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, I guess. Uh... You know, in, in wrapping things up, what uh, what you hope the future holds? I did notice that uh, I think recently you kind of were expanding away from the Instagram to just focus solely on North Korea. So I assume you know the future holds some traveling to to other places too. But talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So recently I divided. So I have two Instagrams actually. One is Zoe Discovers. One is Zoe Discovers NK. So I want to basically um, build up a travel one and the North Korea one. And I want to keep the North Korea, the North Korea one, I build up quite an audience and they're basically only interested in North Korea. So I want to just keep it to North Korea, but I do travel a lot and I, I'm a, you know, I'm creative. I like to show people what I'm doing. So they, that other one I'll be using for travels. And I mean, in terms of the future um, for North Korea tourism, I hope that I, it would be amazing if it opened this year. Um, I remain hopeful. Well, I remain hopeful that it will be opened in the next few years, hopefully next year. Um, but I do hope that it opens soon. It's got a very, very strict COVID policy. It was the first to close back in January 2020. I was actually one of the last people to go there. And I, yeah, I hope I hope that North Korea tourism, you know, can be back on the cards and um, and that more people can um, can go there. And of course, when the, the US travel ban is lifted, it would be great to have a lot more uh, people from the US you know, see North Korea for themselves. Yeah. And I also kind of want to connect another dot. Obviously you work for a, a company who gives tours of North Korea, but you know, it could be years. It's been two years. It could be years until that's possible. So, I mean, what, what else is, is happening? What else you got going on? Cause hopefully that's <laughs> not it. Yeah. Right. So um, actually during the first year of COVID, I studied a master's, um, did it all online because I was stuck in Tonga that's an entirely different story um, but um, I did that all online I did that in international communications and now I'm actually back in the UK doing another master's in international relations I hope to then um, take that to PhD level pretty much at the end of this year um, hope we go back to Asia um, looking at East Asia maybe Taiwan China let's kind of see where I end up but um, that's what's keeping me busy at the moment. And obviously working at the same time, I'm actually really uh, kind of boringly working as an au pair. I don't know if you have those in the US. It's basically like a live-in nanny. So yeah. I live with the family. 
family that I work for. Um, and uh, I do work uh, with Choreo Tours, you know, still doing social media, marketing, stuff like that. Um, we have a few international tours that U.S. citizens can also go on. So do make mm. sure to, to check out that. Um, uh, going to, you know, unusual destinations, Turkmenistan, stuff like this. Um, and apart from that, the social media stuff, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to build up the channel because when I go back to North Korea, to be honest, like I know it's going to be big, you know, I'm looking at making like big, proper professional vlogs and documentaries in there. Um, so it's, it's going to be big when I can get back. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned for that for sure. Give us, give us those connection points again. Um, you got at Zoe Discovers NK for North Korea stuff on Instagram or at Zoe Discovers um, for all my other travel stuff. Zoe Discovers on YouTube and uh, do check out the, the website Choreo Tours for um, that's choreogroup.com for uh, international tours as well as North Korea tours as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I've definitely learned a lot. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much. Let me speak to you. So that was Zoe Stevens. Learned so much from her, just about a place that very few of us know that much about. Um, I think that we took a, a, a good look at uh, you know North Korea as a whole, kind of their, their challenges and, and issues, and also some of the positives. You know, like I said, the people are positive everywhere, no matter what uh, you know, the, the government uh, is or is not. Um, I didn't really focus on that part. I wanted just to give her a chance to talk about what she wanted to talk about. Um, I'm sure, you know, we can find a, a million and one things wrong with, with every country. And North Korea is, is certainly one of those who, um, you know, has, has a lot of issues as well. Um, but I, I didn't think that, you know, trying to, to bring any of that up, uh, beyond what I did was, was necessary. Um, I, I really appreciated Zoe speaking with me. Um, I, I think, uh, I know that uh, if you don't know too much about North Korea, you're, you're probably surprised by some of this. Um, but that was the that was the goal in our conversation. So uh, if you are interested in in more from Zoe, go check her out at Zoe Discovers or Zoe Discovers in K. That links will be in the show notes. Of course, go check us out on Instagram as well. Not enough podcast. Go give us five stars on Apple and on Spotify. Appreciate that. Appreciate if you leave a uh, review, a written review on Apple too. Uh, but until next time, I will. Uh, I'll see you, and uh, sure to be uh, other great guests uh, coming up. So uh, check us out next time, and uh, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time, where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.